Alright, now y'all may think this is a hard message tonight, and you may think I'm scolding you, but uh, it's just a subject that we need to talk about. It's a thing that I think about a lot. We're living in a world where everything is upside down and backwards, aren't we? Good's evil, and evil's good. Uh, we're going to read in Isaiah here, Isaiah 59 and verse 14. Isaiah 59 and 14, but uh, we see what all's going on. I didn't mention in prayer time there Israel, but we need to be praying for Israel. Yes. And we need to be praying for our own country mm-hmm. and all the people and all the suffering. Doesn't matter what, it's just you ought to have a it ought to break your heart to see all the suffering and the, and the, you know the misery, the grief that all this is causing because of the hatred of some people who think they're right. Do you understand that they think they're right? That's the way good and evil is. Evil people think they're right, and good people think they're right. Well, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. But the trouble is, when good people that have the truth act like evil people who hate the truth. That's what's bad. Isaiah 59 verse 14, this is a verse we talk about often. And judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Equity is equal. You know, you know, like in math, you do an equation. That means both sides have to equal. They come out the same. There's no equity. That means people are hypocrites. What's good for me, what I, what, what I do that's what's right for me, you know, is not right for you. What's wrong for you is not wrong for me. I mean, it's always an, a dis, uh Disparagy? What is it? What is the word? I've been trying to think of that word for two weeks. There's a great difference there. Shouldn't be. I want to read some more scripture in First Corinthians chapter six, verse two through five. Judgment's fallen in the uh, turned away backwards. Uh, justice fallen in the street. Then in First Corinthians chapter six, verse two through five, the Bible says this: Paul talking to the church at Corinth. Do ye do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments, if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. <laughs> Isn't that kind of strange? You ever think about that? Who's going to be the best judge? The ones who are least esteemed. Not the proud ones. Not the headstrong ones. Not the high steppers. No, the least esteemed. They're going to be the most fair. They're going to have the most mercy. They're going to try to see both sides. Other people just won't do that. If you do have to judge something, put the least esteemed in the church. Let them do the judging. Wonder how many churches have obeyed that through the years. I speak to your shame. 
Ain't that a shame? That you'd have to put the least esteemed to judge because the rest of you can't. And we're, we're going to judge angels? Spiritual man judgeth all things. If anybody ought to have some judgment, justice, and equity, it ought to be a child of God who knows the Word of God and is filled with the Spirit of God. Looks like he would have all that, but he said, I speak this to your shame. This is 1 Corinthians. Paul dealing with a church that's got a lot of problems, and this is one of them. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? You know, one that can just figure out simple little things of life, everyday things, conflicts between people, you know. Can't you figure, ain't they one of you? Got enough sense, common sense and, and wisdom about you to figure this out? Shame. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? Question mark again. There ain't a one of you that can judge between your brethren. And he's talking about you don't you can't settle your matters yourself, so you go to law, you know, before the lost. Fighting with your brother, and you go out to the world and have them settle your them go, they're gonna find justice for you. Luke chapter six and verse thirty one. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Jesus made it makes everything very simple. He says in such few words what all that we need to know. Right there it is. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Anybody that would be honest can tell what justice is with that, what equity is with that. You could judge properly with that right there. That alone, if you're honest. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. What would it feel like if I'm on the receiving end? Would you want me to do you like you're doing me? Or would you want me to do you like you're doing them? Would you want me to treat you, talk to you, think of you like you're doing? But it's funny how we can't ever judge ourselves with good judgment, with justice and equity. Somehow we always come out <laughs> better in our own eyes than in everybody else's eyes. Hmm. Another verse, Romans 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Simple, simple truth. It's utterly amazing how blind most people are to their own hypocrisy when it comes to other people. And particularly, I'm speaking here of judgment of others. Evil thinking. Their motives are judged and defined concerning their worldliness according to our own wisdom and limited knowledge about them and about everything. Mm -hmm. We're limited in our knowledge about everything and everybody. So judgment has to be on principles and not on things or, or what we... You know, just certain things that we set up ourselves to judge by. Right. We don't make the rulers. No. We don't make the measuring tapes. No. Christ is the standard, not us. Not none of us. Not me, not you, nobody else. Doesn't matter what success or 
how big you get in the Christian community, blah, doesn't amount to one thing. Doesn't make us. Doesn't set us up any better than anybody else. We're not the standards. They measuring themselves among themselves. Not wise. I'm talking about judging others. This is how we judge them. We judge their motives. That's the main thing that we judge. Their motives. Their motives are judged and defined according <coughs> concerning their standards of righteousness. Tainted by our love for the world. Each one takes offense and judges the other harshly. Now, we look at the world and we look out there and we see this disparity here among the 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 like over there in Israel. Look and, and if you're if you're keeping up with anything that's going on over there and you know, blank it out if you want to, but I'm keeping up with it. I'm watching because <clears throat> I wanna I wanna know. <laughs> but here here this bunch of of animals, outlaws, people that are Total reprobate, murdering babies, and old people, and women. And, and so there's this part of the world that has compassion, any kind of humanity about you. You look at that and you can tell who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can certainly tell who's the bad guy. Yes, but then we have all of the others defending the bad guys. Yes. I saw today where Bernie Sanders is griping and his only concern is Israel has acted illegally in attacking Hamas. Yeah. What? what is the matter with you? But we look out there and we see that. We see that absurd inequity, in, uh, injustice. Judgment? Is that judgment? Is that justice? No, is that any kind of equity? No. No, it's insanity. Yes, sir. But we look at the world and, and then we, you know, we say, that's terrible. But we need to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the world and the politicians and our country and everything is being in the shape it's in. It all started in the church houses. Yes, sir, it sure did. That's right. When God's people quit acting like God's people and they just, and, and we, we get, this is talking about us, not the world. Judgment must begin where? At the house of God. Judgment. That means we're the first ones that better be able to tell right from wrong, holy from unholy, clean from unclean, evil from good. We ought to be able to recognize that. And we ought to be able to deal with it properly. How do we expect them to? And why do we look at them aghast? Because they're so crazy about this when we do the same thing. Only on a smaller scale. On the little piddly, non-essential, unimportant things that happen in life. Both are an offense to God. Those, those who, are, who won't do right, who are offended by those who do do right, and those who do right who are offended by those who won't do right. They're both wrong in the sight of God for acting that way. Y'all with me? Have I lost you already? But when we're that but when we're hypocritical concerning other people, 
we're also hypocritical concerning ourselves. We know what the Bible says about charity, but we practice, in practice, we do just the opposite and somehow rationalize and justify ourselves until we believe we're right. I've been reading Finney's sermon on evil thinking. Oh, I wish I could make it as clear as he did. I wish I could get it across as forcefully as he did. Evil thinking. It's the opposite of charity. Evil thinking. And he just went down through the list. I mean, everything you can think of, just bam, 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 just like hitting you, just slapping you in the face. Plap, 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 plap. You're doing every one of them. And they're all evil thinking, not charity. And you're justifying them, thinking you're more spiritual because you do that. No, no, no. Charity thinketh no evil. No evil. In neither case is it charity to think evil and judge harshly when it's most likely no more than a lack of understanding on both parts. Lack of understanding on both parts. We'll get to that later. But what it, what is it that causes us to be offensive to one another? What What is it? Well, first of all, a true child of God should not be offended by the common everyday differences and conflicts of living and working and going to church together, living together, interacting with shouldn't be offended. Then why is everybody offended? The Bible says plainly in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So how come we're offended with one another? <laughs> All right, well, let's just talk about it a minute. Generally, godly people are offended by evil. And evil people are offended by holiness, godliness. Spiritual people are offended by carnal people. And carnal people are offended by spiritual people. That's the divide. What communion hath light with darkness? No, there's, and this is why people are offended with each other. Get it. People who are clean are offended by people who are unclean. Mm -hmm. And unclean people are offended by people who are clean. Why are they offended? Well, because they feel judged. Yes. Yep. If you're not doing right, you're, not, you're going to feel judged by, some, by the very presence of somebody who's doing better than you are. That is so hard. Who's cleaner than you are. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to feel judged because of the envy and the strife that it causes. That all comes in a package deal. Strife and envy. People, uh, this is manifested when they show a lack of respect and regard for one another. Listen to me. I'm going to be short tonight. But I mean, every point I'm making is right on the money and it's, right, it's important. The reason we're offended is because of the lack of respect and regard for one another. That's what you feel when you're offended. Yes, sir. They don't like me. Or they, they think evil of me. Or they're, they're condemning me. On both sides. That's right. You know what's wrong over there? The, the, those people 
those Palestinians, Arabs, the whole bunch, they're training those children from the time they're littler than these to hate and to kill. And they're filling their heads with lies about the Jews, that the Jews eat babies and drink blood of children and they tell them that stuff. And they give them swords and teach them how to use them to cut their teddy bears' heads off and all that when they're little bitty like that. And so they think they're good, and those people are evil, and they just need to be killed. And they think they're doing God's service by killing those people. Who they believe that about? Is what they believe about those people true? No! But they don't know that. Do you think that you believe anything that's not true? When it comes to other people, especially. Oh, you better believe it. Everybody does. Everybody just forms their opinion out of the thin air. According to their own prejudice, their own pride, and their own preconceived ideas about other people and their motives, what they're up to, why they're doing that. And it's always against me. Somehow it always turns around to where it's, it's aimed at me. Some of you may be thinking that about what I'm preaching tonight. This will fit anywhere, in any church, yes, sir. anywhere. Yes, sir. It'll fit right in any home, anywhere, anybody's home. This, is, this fits everywhere. This is people and the way they are. And we get to churches filled with people. And you know, the church in Corinth was like this. And Paul said, I speak it to your shame. But he didn't write them off as lost. He said, you're just a waste of time. I wasted my time on you people. You didn't understand. You didn't get... He didn't do that. My dearly beloved brethren, he talked to him that way. You just need to stop this. You need to grow up. You need to quit drinking milk and get some meat. And start acting like Christ instead of babes and carnal people. Quit this fighting and striving among yourselves and thinking evil of each other and speaking of evil of each other and judging wrong. People, this is where the hypocrisy comes in, see? It's when you show a lack of respect and regard for one another. Let each esteem other better than himself. Put yourself on the low shelf all the time. Isn't that what Jesus taught too? He said, when you go in a place, don't go and sit in the front seat. In the high seat. Sit in the back. And then it'd be a lot better for the, for the host to come back there and say, won't you come on up here and sit in this seat where I want you to sit. Instead of you're sitting in the seat and they say, you're going to have to move. You're in somebody else's seat. Then you hang your head and drag your tail down to the back of the... You don't want that. Put yourself... I mean, really, see yourself as you really are. Amen. How am I better than anybody else? Where does, everybody get, where does anybody ever get the idea that they're the top dog? I mean, they're the best in the church. They're the most important. They got the best judgment. They got the most knowledge. They got the best discernment. They can pick them out. I've heard people brag about how they can pick them out. Boy, I can spot them. Yeah. No, 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 no. 
I don't see that in the Bible. And I don't see any of the apostles. I don't see Jesus. I don't see anybody that was right in the Bible that talked like that, acted like that, thought like that, taught like that. So that's where the hypocrisy comes in. People who profess to be godly, spiritually minded and clean, but are offended with people who try to live godly, spiritually minded and clean. Hypocrites. Yes. Their ways are not equal, and they're claiming to be what they... And what, and their ways are not equal, and they're claiming to be what they are offended at. Yeah. You, are you with me? I know that's... I know that's, I, when I wrote all that down, I thought, man, that's going to be confusing. But it's really not confusing. Ways are not equal. No equity. You're offended at what you claim to be. Yourself. Yes. The people outside the church are offended with the people that are in the church because they claim that they're better than anybody that goes to that church. They're all hypocrites. If, anybody, if they're going to heaven, I'll make it sure as well. But they won't. But they won't have anything to do. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Same is true of the other side. Someone who claims to believe in God and the Bible, but won't go to church or associate in any way with the people of God, but is quick to point out their sin. They're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I remember preaching years ago on how many. Where's where are the most hypocrites? Outside the church or in the church? You know, they're always talking about the hypocrites in the church. There's more hypocrites out there. They're all hypocrites. Because they claim that they believe. They believe way better than the people in the church, but they're a hypocrite because they live dirty and low and ungodly. And they don't honor God with their life at all. God's honor isn't a concern of theirs at all. Their pride and their arrogance And their sin is what's important to them. It's like children who play their games of pretend and fight and fuss and have some drama going all the time like we used to talking about today. I mean, children! I've had children around for all my life, seems like. Pretty much. Y'all know how they act, don't you? Children. Jesus painted us a picture here. Luke chapter 7, verse 29 through 35. And and it says, And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God. I'm jumping in in the middle here because Jesus had just made a speech here and sorted it out. And so here the crowd's divided again. Always divides. He said, I came to bring a sword. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Jesus divides. Righteousness divides. Here we go. So when they heard what Jesus had said, the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John because that's what Jesus was talking about, the baptism of John. They said, ha ha, well, we're good. We were baptized by John. Yay for us. We're the good guys. Them over there is not. They're the bad guys. They weren't baptized by John. We were. (laughs) We're in. You're not. All right, Jesus, tell us some more. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. See? And the Lord said, Whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? He said, I'm talking about you guys. What am I, what, how can I explain what you're like right now? 
while you're fussing and fighting and judging one another like that. You're, they're like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another and saying, We have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and you, will not, you have not wept. See, they're playing their games. We're playing a song and you're supposed to weep. Is that the way children play? I'll do this. Now, when I do this, you do that. And, if they, and what always happens? They say, I ain't doing it. Well, then there's a fight. Then they're all mad at each other. That's children. Jesus is saying this. Children are children. 2,000 years ago, he was telling us how children are. They're still that way. And he's saying, this is what you are like. You adults, you religious Pharisees, you religious educated people who are supposed to know something. You're acting like little children playing. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say, he hath a devil. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. He said, you, you just... You're all a bunch of fools acting like children. Church full of people that can't get along and forgive and forbear and love one another is not a church full of spirit-led people, That's right. but a church full of carnal people. Amen. That's not good. And that's not acceptable. And that's not going to fly with God. Carnal. They brag about it. I've heard them brag about it. Well, we're just carnal. You know, we're all carnal. Sold under sin. I'm car- Paul said it, I'm carnal, sold under sin. As we all are, you know. I was in a service one time, and a preacher tried to make everybody repeat after him three times, I am carnal. I am carnal. You remember that? Were you there? I'd call his name, but I'd lose some more friends. <laughs> He's dead now. Uh, he knows better than that now, I guarantee you. What in the world is that? A preacher leading a crowd of people to say, I am carnal. I am carnal. What's the message? What's the point? Where are you going with this? What are you trying to instill in these people's minds? These teenagers there, the little children there. I'm carnal. To be carnally minded is death. Yes, it's what the Bible says. Very plainly. (laughs) A carnal mind is enmity with God. Now y'all said, I'm carnal, I'm carnal. What are you doing? I thought preaching was about preaching the gospel so sinners could be free and reconciled to God, not enemies with God. Messed up. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, this is how he knows they're carnal. You see, you understand the text here, what he's saying? This is I know. For... Uh, For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not yet, are you not carnal and walk as men? 
If there's envy and strife and divisions, you're carnal and walking as men. You're not spiritual. You're not being led by the Holy Ghost. You're not filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost ain't leading you to envy and strife and divisions. What Jesus prayed for in John 17, that we'd be divided, everybody stand our ground. We'd watch out, boy, and always keep everything. No. What was his prayer? That they be one, even as we are one. I mean, doesn't that mean anything to you? But that... The Lord's prayer in the garden, His prayer, His earnest intercessory prayer for us was that was the main thrust of it that we be one. Yes. Amen. Strives, division, and envy are not the fruit of the Spirit, but they're the works of the flesh. That's why it's carnal. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 tells us that specifically. That's carnal. It's a work of the flesh. Like adultery is a work of the flesh. Like murder is a work of the flesh. Envy, strife, and division. Works of the flesh. Offenses almost always are double layered. Listen to me. Are you really offended because of what someone else believes? Or what you think they believe? Or is it, that, is it what you think they think of you? You listening to me? What are you offended about? When you're offended with somebody, what is it that's a, what is it that you're offended at? Is it because of what they believe, or is it because what is is it because of what you think they think about you? It's what you think they think about you. Yes, that's what you're offended at. You think that they're putting you down. You think that they're Looking at you and aiming at you. That's what you think. Wrong. Let me ask you another. Are you offended because you think they're judging you? Well, I, you know, I've never had that problem as long as I'm doing right. Now, if I'm doing wrong, I, that's a problem for me. Yeah. If I'm flirting with the world, if I'm a messing around and following after the world a little bit and it's a showing, then I got a problem. Yeah. Now, who's right? Who's wrong? Are you offended because you think someone else is worldlier than you think you are? Are you really offended because you think they're judging you and rejecting what you believe? See? Are you offended because you think someone else is worldlier than you are? Does that offend me? It don't offend me. If I see somebody being worldly, it concerns me about them. Yes, sir. And I pray for them. Yes, sir. And I treat them with more kindness than I would otherwise. Mm -hmm. More attention. Because they got a problem. And they don't need an evil eye. They don't need a, a ugly word. They need, they need an example of love and compassion and something done right in front of them. They need to see the right example. Where's charity in all this? 
I see plenty of evil thinking in the stuff that I've been talking about here tonight, but I don't see charity at all. Do you see charity in it when when uh, people are judging harshly one another? Both ways. The Christian life is not a competition to see who can be the strictest and the most separated. That's not what it's about. But neither is the Christian life a fight to hold hands with the world with one hand while holding hands with Jesus with the other. We're a, we're a, a an holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We are being sanctified. That means made holy. That means being purified. We've been talking about purity and being pure and defiled and all of that. Sanctification is a process that takes time. And it's the reason we're still here. And not with the Lord already. Do you realize that? Sanctification is the reason we're still here. God's preparing us for eternity. We're here to be prepared for eternity and to reach the lost while we're here. Well, we're not reaching the lost as long as we're all tangled up fighting one another. That's right. As long as we're just eyeballing one another and trying to figure out what's wrong with one another. We ain't winning nobody. We're doing more damage than we are good. That's right. We need an example. If we could realize that, that sanctification is a process that takes time and it's the reason that we're still here, if, I, if God was done with me, I'd be in heaven right now. He ain't done with me. Right. Neither is He done with you. Or you would be in heaven right now. That's right. So He's still working on you. And He's still working on her. And Him. And all, everybody. Do you, if we could get that down and believe that, and then put it into shoe leather in our lives, it'd make a lot of difference. If we could realize it, and believe it and act accordingly, we could help one another to be more like Christ. Right. Amen. Everyone's not at the same point in their understanding and knowledge of righteousness and worldliness. Right here tonight, there's, there's uh, all kinds of different levels. These children don't know anything hardly. I mean, they don't know anything, really. Some of them know some, but they're, they're not, uh, you know, as they get older, they know some. But they're not there yet. Don't understand. Then there's some of us who do understand. And then there's some of us that understand more than others. We're not all equal. You know, it's not never that way. The Constitution says all men were created equal. The Bible doesn't. That's right. It's very obvious that all men were not created equal. Nope. <clears throat> we're not talking about the value of their soul or whether how much God loves them or don't love them. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about their worth. We're talking about their equality. Nobody's equal. We're all different. And we're all at different stages. And we all, there's different things, different ways that God has to teach us all these same things. And it takes time. When we're going to realize that? It takes time. It takes time. 
Why can't we wait on nothing anymore? We just can't wait on nothing. Everything's got to be, we think everything's instant. And all we got to do is say it and it's so. Tell them and they'll understand. How many times did I have to hear some things before I understood it? How many times have you had to hear some things before you understood it? You can say, nobody ever told me, but when we stand before God, I'm sure He's going to bring the records out and show you that somebody, sure enough, did tell you. You just didn't listen. You didn't hear. You didn't understand. <laughs> and you better thank God for the people who had patience with you. And who patiently waited and prayed and helped you until you did understand. So everyone's not at the same point of progress in their understanding and knowledge of righteousness or worldliness. I'm, you know, here's a confession for you. I remember when I really got right with God and I started serving God and I started preaching and I thought, man, I thought I was really separated. But when I go back now, like looking at old pictures and things. And I, I, I think, what in the world? You know, I quit listening to the music of the world. I quit this all a bunch of stuff that people don't quit anymore. Yes. I quit it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but still, there were just things that I look at now and I think, well, what in the world? How could I have been okay with that? <clears throat> Was I not right with God? Yeah, I was right with God. I just didn't understand yet. Right. There were things that were worldly that I hadn't realized yet. But I did. Eventually I did. <clears throat> I'm glad they didn't kick me out of the church. Amen. It wasn't. And it wasn't really. I mean, <clears throat> I can't think of nothing really bad, but it was just, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> well, I know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but I mean, we just look at each other and we get used to this this uh, <clears throat> acceptable appearance of a Christian. <clears throat> and when I look back then, I, I think, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of things changed in my life through the years. And a lot of things, you know, I don't try to push them on other people. <clears throat> I mean, just for example, you know, I quit wearing blue jeans 25 years ago. 30 years ago, probably. Well, what's wrong with blue jeans? There ain't nothing wrong with blue jeans. I mean, you wear blue jeans if you want to. I don't care. And I wouldn't feel condemned if I put on a pair of blue jeans. <clears throat> But I just didn't want to look like, a, you know, things have changed in the last 30 years in the world. I grew my beard out 30 some years ago. That wasn't acceptable then. Not for a missionary, not for a preacher. <clears throat> wasn't acceptable. But I did. And, and I didn't want to look like the same guy that just came from... The bear joint down the street. That's why I quit wearing jeans. I started wearing other kinds of pants, work pants. You don't understand that, do you? I didn't want to look worldly. I wanted to abstain from all appearance of evil. 
Then why didn't you shave your beard off? Because I didn't think it was the appearance of evil. I've got some convictions about that. Like pants on women. I see the same, it's the same principle behind it all. I don't try to make anybody else. If you, I mean, that's your business. <clears throat> that's between you and God. Well, thank you, Fee. You hear me a coughing and I appreciate it. I'm about done. <clears throat> We're just right at the end of this here. But everybody's not at the same point. We don't expect from these small children what we expect from adults. And by the way, you know, I don't feel like I got finished with that. There were a lot of people that judged me back then because of it. Now they wear beards. Ain't no big deal. I mean, I don't care. It's just that things change through the years. It's like old Brother Green. You know, I've told you before how he... And the last time I seen him, he put his arm around me and said, Brother Miller, I pray for you every day. And he said, I love you. But he said, I could never let you preach in my church because I got a beard. And he said, I know things have changed. And he said, I know it don't mean what it did back then when I took a stand on it. But he said, I took a stand, you know, 50, 60 years ago because of the hippies. And so he said, I just can't go back on it. <laughs> well, I've never been able to figure all that out either you just do what's right according to the word of God and what God shows you I don't condemn other people because they don't understand because they wear jeans or because they don't wear me I don't condemn other people I don't think evil of them I don't look down on them and think I'm more spiritual than you no so don't you do that either Amen. on any matter I'm just giving you a few examples here of my own life. I can look back years and years ago and I can see things that I, in our lives that <clears throat> was worldly. But I didn't realize it was worldly then. Now I don't, I wouldn't do that at all. I wouldn't have that around. I can't think of anything in particular or I'd tell you. But I just know that I've looked at pictures and think, man, was that me? Was that then? We don't expect these small children what we expect from adults, do we? <clears throat> if we do, then, then we're one of those that I've described here. We expect children, though, someday to grow up yes. in knowledge and understanding and experience to the point that we'll be able to expect from them adult behavior. Yes. That's our hope. We understand they're learning. We understand they're learning a little at a time. And they're coming up. And we expect one day for them to be able to stand on their own two feet and to take the responsibility of an adult and do right. That's our hope. That's our goal. That's what we're working toward. I'm sure every parent in here is working toward that. That's what you got in mind for your children. But you're patient with them, ain't you? You don't expect out of them now what they're going to be when they're 30 or 40 years old, do you? But until then, we love them and teach them and guide them with our example, which is the strongest influence. It's a stronger influence than your words. It's a stronger influence than your paddle or your switch. It's a stronger influence than your punishments or any training that you do. Teaching, training, drilling, lectures. Yep. 
Your example is the greater influence. So let's do the same with our brothers and sisters in Christ. How about that? I think that's a good idea, don't you? Don't you think it's just a good idea to forbear and forgive and be patient with one another like we are with our children who we love? Amen. This is not just for you. This is for everybody that hears it. <laughs> I hope somebody will benefit from it. I hope it will help somebody to realize. I didn't hear this kind of preaching. I didn't. I heard a different kind of preaching. And this was all really left out. But it's not left out for you. So you're not going to have the, any excuse when you get a little older... Nobody told you how to act like a Christian and what God expects of us and what the Bible says and how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have some judgment and we're supposed to have justice and equity. And if it don't come from here, the world, there's no hope for this world. We're the light of the world. There's got to be justice and equity and judgment it has to begin at the house of God. Yes, sir. Amen. Father, thank you for the Word of God. <clears throat> thank you for the message here tonight. It's, it's a little bit hard, but I pray that you'd help us to receive it and apply it in our lives, all of us. We all need this. And not just us here, but I'm sure there are, every church could use this. This would be a, a help and a blessing in every church in this country. If they'd listen to this and take heed and apply it in their lives. We're not where we need to be in this matter. And I pray you'd help us to see that. And, and to realize the urgency. This is, uh, your coming is close at hand. And we can see what's happening in the world and the fragile situation that everything is in. And, and all this whole world that don't even know you or anything about you, or anything about your word, they realize that we're getting close to the end of this thing. And we need to be right. We need to be spiritually prepared and armed and ready and right with one another to be able to face the days ahead. Please bless it to our hearts and minds and help us to keep it now in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a perilous time. We say that and say it, and I've heard it and heard it, but that's what the Bible says that everybody's going to say. But when the time does come, that's what they're going to be saying. Ah, we've heard that and heard that and heard that. Dangerous times. Do you ever think about the fact that by in the morning, by the time you wake up in the morning, what could what could have changed in the world? What could have happened in the world? Even before we get home tonight. I mean, that's how, that's how we're living. Right on the brink. Right on the edge. And we're just acting like, nothing's any different than ever been. Mm-mm-mm. You know, we, we prepare 
like with food and we're worried about all that stuff. But let me tell you what you better be more concerned about is preparing your soul. Prepare spiritually. You better have your spiritual house in order. What if something like that happens here, and it is going to, unless God burns this country to the ground in an hour, and it may happen before that, but it's going to happen here. You're going to see the same thing here as what's, what happened in Israel. They're already in place and waiting, and we know that. Our government knows it. But the sheep don't just pretend that it don't ain't so. Are you are you ready? Spiritually. Need to be ready. Amen. Not just to face all of that, but you need to be ready to meet God. I mean, Jesus is coming. Yes, sir. And that's what it's gonna be. As such an hour as you think not. Better be ready. Are you ready? Amen.